0: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
1: Episode 235 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software, FreshBooks. You can take advantage of their free 30 day trial right now, no obligation, and get access to all their features when you go to slash Read to Lead and enter Read to Lead in the How Did You Hear About Us section.
2: is illuminated by those different conversations often are these tiny little gaps in the customer
1: experience.
2: Those are sometimes the things where just an operational choice to be different can explode.
1: Hi there and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. My mission in life is to bring you each and every week some key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring business and personal growth authors. And today is no exception. You don't hear me say things like this often, but I'm holding in my hand one of my favorite books of the entire year. It's from a pair of authors, one of whom is making his third appearance on Read to Lead, the other his first. We'll sit down with him in just a few minutes. I'm talking about Jay Baer and Dan Lemon. They co-authored a brand new book called Talk Triggers, the complete guide to creating customers with word of mouth. Words I would use to describe this book are delightful, fun enjoyable practical useful and those are just off the top of my head i'll ask daniel and jay to share about why word of mouth is something you need to be and can be intentional about the difference between being better and being different and why different is better than better and i'll ask them to unpack their talk trigger formula and plenty more I mentioned Jay's been on the show a couple of times before. We last spoke to Jay in January 2016 for episode 112 when we discussed his book, Hug Your Haters. And Jay first appeared on the show over five years ago, way back in episode five, when we discussed his New York Times bestseller, Utility. I'll have links to each of those interviews with Jay in the show notes page for this episode, but I think it's safe to say that his most recent book, Written with Daniel, is my favorite of the three. You'll find that show notes page where I'll include the links and resources we discussed today at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 235. When it comes to one of my favorite pieces of software, one I use in my business every single day, the nod goes to cloud accounting software, FreshBooks, and not just because they're a sponsor, I was using FreshBooks in my business long before that. If you're already running your own business or you desire to or start a side hustle maybe in the margins of life, you've got to have a way to invoice your clients. And I have found no better way to do that than FreshBooks. Probably my absolute favorite feature is the ease in which I'm able to connect the debit card associated with my business to my FreshBooks account so that every time I use it to purchase something for my business, that expense gets added into FreshBooks automatically. I don't even have to think about it. The invoices I create for clients are all but automatic in that they only take me about 30 seconds. They're customized and they look great. Using FreshBooks, I can also set up late payment reminders if I need to. My clients logging into FreshBooks can pay online or use their credit card, which means I get paid far faster than I used to. I don't know about you, but that's important in my business. So if you like what you hear, you probably want to check it out, and it's really simple to do so. You can dig into FreshBooks features, all of them, absolutely free and with no obligation for 30 days when you go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. You don't need to enter your credit card info. There's no gotcha at the end of that 30 days. It's super simple. Freshbooks.com slash read to lead to check it out right now. Jay Bear is the founder of Convince & Convert, a strategy consultancy that helps the world's most interesting brands gain and keep more customers. He's a seventh-generation entrepreneur, has started five multimillion-dollar companies, and is the author of six books, including, as I mentioned, Utility and Hug Your Haters. He's also a keynote speaker and MC, an angel investor, and an inductee in the Word of Mouth Marketing Association Hall of Fame and the National Speakers Association's CPAE Speaker Hall of Fame. Co-author Daniel Lemon is the co-founder of Selectivore, a food intelligence platform that helps people stay healthy through personalized eating. A former communications leader at Google, he's the author of the online reputation guide, Manipulated. He's been featured in the New York Times, USA Today, CBS Radio and Fox News and speaks at conferences and events worldwide. Jay and Daniel's brand new book is called Talk Triggers, the complete guide to creating customers with word of mouth. Well, Jay, it's wonderful to have you back for I think it's now visit number three. Welcome back to Read to Lead.
3: Delighted to be here. I am ready to uh, both read and lead,
1: in theory. <laughs> Good. And, and Daniel, it's nice to meet you. Thank you for being here for what is hopefully just your first visit of many to come. I hope so, too. But yeah, I'm happy to be here, at least for this one. See how it goes. <laughs> 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 yeah, jury's still out, really. <laughs> right, exactly. I love it. Well, Jay, let me start with you. Let's let's uh, get right to what you cover in the beginning of the book and talk about what the what the right kind of word of mouth looks like and why you guys believe that that businesses and organizations can't afford to ignore it, as so many seem to want to do?
3: Yeah, I think we might use the word "ignore" in the book. That's probably overstating the case <laughs> a little bit. I think it's it works like this, Jeff. So the the data show that word of mouth influences between 50 and 91% of all revenue, depends on what type of business you are, but 50 to 91%. That is a hugely important element of business success. And this has always been the case, right? Since since a caveman sold a rock to another caveman. I mean, after all, word of mouth is the original marketing. That's like all we had at one <laughs> point, right? So it's been important for quite literally hundreds of thousands of years or something. Yet, We take it for granted. That's probably more apt, more so than ignoring it. We just, every business just assumes that word of mouth will happen. We don't actually have a strategy for it. Like you probably have a marketing strategy and a content strategy and a social strategy and a PR strategy and maybe a crisis strategy, maybe an HR and recruiting strategy. You got a whole desk full of strategies, Mm -hmm. but nobody has a word of mouth strategy. We're like, well, yeah, people are going to talk about us, but will they? And if so, what are they saying? So we're so laissez faire. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, I will say this. Word of mouth is the most important thing in business that nobody pays any attention to. <laughs>
1: I think that's well said. Daniel, anything you want to add to that?
3: I, I think it's so true. And laissez-faire is probably,
2: if frankly, I mean, now that we're we're saying the phrase, it could have been a better <laughs> a better phrase than ignore, because it's not that we ignore it in an active sense. It's just we we always assumed it would happen. Uh, we hoped. And in in no case as a consumer myself, do I find that to be true. I mean, I'm always looking for a story to tell, but if I don't have material, I can't actually talk about it. That makes it very difficult to tell the story. So,
1: Well, Daniel, let me move to you. Now, talk about the distinction that, that you and Jay make uh, early in the book between, uh, and I love this, between being better and and being different, I, I'm a fan of the uh, the Sally Hogshead quote that you guys include. Talk a little bit about the difference between the two and why that's important. Here's the thing:
2: you you legitimately have to be better. I mean that that's like table stakes to have a to have a restaurant that serves legitimately average salad <laughs> and legitimately average uh, grilled cheese is not a recipe for success, but just being better than the next guy itself is never enough material to work with. It's not enough of a story. It's like, I had the best grilled cheese in the world. Let me tell you about it. Mm. And it's like, I'm, I'm waiting at that point for the punchline. And I'm like, no, no, it was just a really good grilled cheese. Didn't, didn't have any grilled onions on it. Now that you mention it, that would have been good. <laughs> Wasn't served by someone doing gymnastics. No, that would have been cool. So, you know, better is somewhat table stakes in most businesses. But the thing about it is uh, we discovered in a lot of, uh, in every case study we looked at, is that what makes the thing special is the fact that it's delivered with a little bit of extra punch. There's something about it that's a little bit different. And that is what gives it the storytelling fodder. It, you know, it's like best grilled cheese in the world delivered by someone who did a backflip <laughs> and they do it every single time. That's
3: kind of the the root of it. And the problem is that businesses think that competency creates conversation. Mm. That if you're just a good business, that people will talk about you, but but they won't, not very often, because nobody ever says, hey, let me tell you about this adequate experience I had. That's not a very interesting or dynamic story to tell. So if you want to create conversation reliably, as Daniel said, you're you're better off doing one thing different that people don't expect. And that thing becomes your talk trigger, the the, the differentiator that customers will pass along, uh, and in so doing, become volunteer marketers on your behalf.
1: Well, let's move into more specifics then uh, regarding talk triggers. Uh, I want to, to dig into some of the criteria you've discovered in the research you've done in order for a talk trigger to be effective, to be successful. One of my favorite stories from the book is a story I've experienced uh, firsthand, and that's the story about Holiday World. And as I was reading that, and as it was unfolding uh, in front of me, I thought to myself, "They're going to talk about the free drinks." My wife, <laughs> as an adult, I haven't been since I was a child, but my wife has been several times. And when she came back the first time several years ago, that's all she'd talk about is the yep. free drinks and the free sunscreen dispenser. So, so tell me a little bit about what is required for a talk trigger to be successful, to be effective. What are some of those components, Jay?
3: It's amazing. Uh, I'm just 90 miles away from Santa Claus, Indiana, (laughs) where Holiday World and Splash and Safari is located. And it's as we describe, it's a good amusement park, right? So from a competency standpoint, they are entirely competent. Probably, I would argue, more so than most amusement parks, frankly. But yet, they still have a differentiator, a talk trigger, an operational choice. And all talk triggers are just this, an operational choice to do something differently in order to create conversation. In their case, they give away soft drinks, despite the fact that a soft drink is usually one hundred and seventy-two dollars at a regular amusement park. <laughs> they give them away, give it away for nothing. And as you said, your wife talked about it. it proves the point. There are four ingredients uh, of a talk trigger. The first is that it has to be remarkable, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's different enough that people notice it. I.e., free soft drinks. The second is it needs to be reasonable. So it can't be too giant because when they're when the talk trigger is too giant and too vast and interesting, it it creates suspicion, right? It, mm-hmm. People think, wait a second, like let's. That can't be true, right? You, so, so one of the tendencies we have in marketing is to try and make the story too big and then it creates suspicion. Third thing, it has to be relevant. So it has to to make sense in the context of who you are and what you're about. So at an amusement park, free soft drinks, it's outside, it's hot. Free sunscreen, it's outside, it's hot. That makes perfect sense. If they were giving away wool carpets, that might be noteworthy, but it doesn't make sense, right? The story right. is incongruous. You have to make the, the talk trigger a story that a child can tell. And one of the easiest ways to make that so is to, is to make it relevant. And the last one and I think in many ways the most important is it has to be repeatable mm. meaning that the talk trigger is offered to every customer everybody at at Holiday World gets free soft drinks not just those who are season pass holders or those with the giant souvenir cup or those with children or those on ladies night everybody gets <laughs> access to it and this is what differentiates a talk trigger a word of mouth strategy that produces results day after day month after month quarter after quarter year after year it's what differentiates a talk trigger from surprise and delight this idea that we're just going to do some sort of wacky thing and, and hope that it goes viral. Uh,
1: another one of my favorite stories from the book, and I promise you I'm not going to give them all the way. Uh, they yeah, are, please do. They're, they're, they're tremendous. I'm going to have a chance in the not-too-distant future to speak to a, a small group of uh, plastic surgeons. And and one that stood out to me was the, the oral surgeon's uh, talk trigger, the gentleman who on Saturdays calls the people who he's going to be performing surgery on the following week and the difference that that has, has made. To me, I think it's fascinating, and Dan, I'll, I'll throw this to you, that I think there's only one other doctor he's aware of. He's told this to numerous people, but there's one other colleague that he knows of that is trying this. Why do, you, why do you think that is? Well, you know, I think part of it is that laissez-faire attitude. I mean, I don't, I don't
2: know if oral surgeons are taught in oral surgery school, if that's where <laughs> they go to school. Right. Uh, if they're taught to, to do the after-patient call, or if that's if that's just like something that happens by acquiescence or evolution you know <laughs> uh, like it's passed down as some some family secret so i think part of it is just in a, in, a, in a way ignorance of the difference it could make and then the other part of it may actually be fear and, you know, there's a little bit of fear of doing mm. something different. Like, it's going to take me too long. They're going to have lots of questions. I don't want to spend my Saturday doing that. So I, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. And in, in, in other cases, maybe not in the case of oral surgeons, but courage is actually one of the things we discovered. People are afraid to try something new because maybe people won't like it or maybe it won't work. Um mm. Yeah, so I think maybe the first time he's really talked about uh, this is Doctor Glenn Gorav, The first time he's really probably talked about doing this. Maybe other doctors will say, "Hey, I should do that too." And he even says, "I think we quoted him, quoted him in the book this way." He's like, "I don't, I don't know why more doctors don't do this." Maybe he'll be sad that he said that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jeff, we have a new one for uh, for your plastic surgeons that we learned about. After the book was written, I was given a presentation in Seattle recently and an audience member came up to me afterwards and told me about this talk trigger. Mm. It's from a vasectomy surgeon mm. in Seattle. He only does vasectomies. The name of the doctor is Dr. Snip, which <laughs> in, in and of itself is uh, talkable for of sure. Course it note-worthy. Is. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, but that's not his talk trigger. You would think like that's it, but it's not. There's more. Every patient on the way out the door, post-surgery, gets an engraved silver pocket knife that says <laughs> Dr. Snip on it. So you can imagine the word-of-mouth power of this, right? Yeah. You're, you're playing golf, you're on your boat, you're hanging out watching football with your boys, and uh, you open a beer with your knife, and some friends like, hey man, that's a sweet knife. Where'd you get it? Ah, oh, I got it from Dr. Snip. That's strong. <laughs> that's a good talk trigger right there.
1: Well, And the thing I learned from reading about this in the book, the, the biggest argument seems to be for doing this, at least in the case of these doctors, is the decreased likelihood of being Suit at some point in the future because people don't sue people they like.
3: Isn't it amazing? And and that's one of the things about about word of mouth and talk triggers that I think contributes to the Laissez-Faire attitude about it in mm. that sometimes the benefits of this kind of program are, are, are downstream or are not immediately available in the data. So if you said, well, we're going to call every customer before they come to the office and that's going to be talkable empathy and you know how does that make us money? Well, as we talk about in the book, people call every day and say, I I drove 12 miles out of my way. I wanted to come to you for my oral surgery because you're the doctor who called my friend before (laughs) she came to the office. So there is a direct patient acquisition benefit of this talk trigger. But then there's all these secondary and tertiary benefits that are harder to parse out of the data, i.e. Dr. Gorab is the only oral surgeon in his region who has never been sued. So uh, back to our Holiday World example. So Holiday World gives away free soft drinks at the amusement park. This contributes to an extraordinarily high tripadvisor uh, rating lots of word of mouth hmm. but it also has contributed to a massive reduction in first aid visits because their guests are more hydrated right hmm. so when we when we remember that a talk trigger is not marketing It's an operational choice that produces a marketing advantage and and an operational choice can have benefits beyond customer acquisition. Of course, we're doing this for customer acquisition. We're doing this to turn customers into volunteer marketers, but there's other benefits as well that sometimes you can't see immediately. And that's one of the reasons why we think a lot of businesses know this intuitively to be effective, but they're like, yeah, I don't really get it. It feels Mm -hmm. kind of wishy-washy, right? Just I want to press a button and a
1: report spits out. Well, Jay and and Daniel, in the book, lay out this sort of four, five, six model for this process. We've talked about the four requirements that a talk trigger must possess. There are five types. That's the five in that in that model. You mentioned a moment ago talkable. Empathy. Uh, what are some of the other types of uh, talk triggers we we should be aware of, uh, Jay? I've heard you say that that's your, your your favorite one because it's
2: not a thing we w- would have probably written about two years ago. Uh, empathy is just kind of a lacking in our society in general. Mm. Uh, so a little extra goes a long way right now. In other cases, it's a an idea around usefulness. If there's something about the idea that's just so incredibly useful, I guess I guess the doctor's snip pocket knife may be useful <laughs> in a lot of different contexts. Um, <laughs> So usefulness is one generosity is another if you kind of go just a hint above and beyond that's kind of holiday world's mm. model, although it's also a useful, uh, obviously a very useful one. Uh, and then it's speed and attitude. Mm. Speed is a funny one, right? Because customer service and 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 customer expectations have gone so crazy into the stratosphere because it's been pushed north by a lot of companies really, really good at customer service, really good at fast responses. And the more those stakes go up, we all are kind of expected to rise to that occasion. So to be talkably fast, to have a talk trigger around speed, you need to be truly speedy. I mean, there has to be something demonstrable to it. Mm. Um, one of the case studies, that's actually not in the book, but a company we do t- like to talk about is Slack. Mm-hmm. Number one, because we're talking about both Slack and speed in the same, <laughs> the same sentence, which is kind of a funny play on words. But Slack is actually famous for its customer service speed. Uh, they have, I think, something like 20, 25 percent of their ent- of their employees are focused on customer service. Uh, and they have an entire Twitter feed dedicated to Slack love. People are like, that was so fast. That was so great. Thank you so much for the answer. So one of the things that they've really tried to do is be amazingly like precision laser focused fast in Mm. getting back to customers and it doesn't go unnoticed in that business Mm.
1: well let me jump now to uh, the six in this four five six model and and feel free to go into as much or as little detail on these if you want to just summarize them that's fine too the the steps needed the steps necessary to to build and and manage your talk triggers jay i'll throw that one to you
3: and i'll say that one of the keys to this notion is a talk trigger should not be constructed during a brainstorm in a conference room, <laughs> right? Which is the natural tendencies. Oh, wow, you're right. You guys are right. We should totally have a differentiator. We should totally do something different that customers talk about. Yeah, we should do that. Let's get everybody together and maybe we'll order pizza and let's come up with one. <laughs> it's like, man, if it was that easy, you'd already have one. Mm. And so this is a process. It is a system that we use at Convince and Convert when we do this kind of work with clients. It's a proven system that works with small companies, with large companies, even with individuals for kind of personal branding purposes. And and we really suggest that you follow the system, that you don't just kind of sit around and and invent some stuff. (laughs) I'll have Daniel uh, talk a little bit more about the specifics of the system, but I'll say this. The key is to understand all the different touch points that you have with your customers, and then to document what those customers expect at each of those points. Because once you know what somebody expects, once you know what they consider to be perfunctory and average, you can do one thing that they don't expect. And that one thing they don't expect is your talk trigger. But if you just kind of randomly pick one out of thin air, Mm it typically will fail some of the other requirements that we have talked about. So you wanna actually uh, go through the process and, and uh, Dan can talk a little bit about um, some of those steps.
2: Yeah, I can sort of summarize for you the model. And Mm -hmm. it it starts with kind of a listening tour. We like to start at that process. I mean, uh, a lot of companies have a lot of data, so that's helpful too. Mm -hmm. kind of looking at customer insights and those things. But you actually want to go out and do something very scary, which is (laughs) talk to actual real customers. (laughs) Uh Oh, yeah, especially for marketing people. That's like, whoa, that's crazy. (laughs) We don't do that. Uh, But not just any customer. There are really three different categories of customers to talk to. One is your current customers and the question you're asking there is, why are you our customer? Why do you sign our invoice, you know, give us a check every month, every year? And the second is customers that used to be with you and left. And again, the question there is why, why did you decide to go in a different direction? And the third one is actually really quite interesting. It's prospects that may have been in your sales funnel or at some point were shopping for your services and decided not to do business with you for some reason. And what is illuminated by those different conversations often are these tiny little gaps in the customer experience. And those are sometimes the things where just an operational choice to be different can explode and that is one really great place you kind of overlay that on top of some of the data you have then you start to have structured brainstorms that lead to ideas driven by real need versus just ideas that
1: sound funny and fun well i appreciate the distinction you guys have made here in this part of the of the conversations i think it's important we recognize that and not as you said jay you know, plan a brainstorming meeting and just try to come up with something cool and unique because it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you guys that aren't directly related to the book. Uh oh. Is there
3: any- <laughs> this is this is this is where Daniel decides to not come back, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
1: before before I do that, is there is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we, we walk away with?
3: A couple things I would say. One, there are stories in this book for everybody. we were very careful to include case studies for big companies, small companies, B2B, B2C, US, international. So whatever you are, mm. uh, there are inspirational tales for you. Second, this isn't just Daniel and Jay say this is a good idea. There were four separate research studies that we conducted for this book. So we spent a tremendous amount of time and, frankly, money to validate these premises with real university-level research. And the third, Jeff, is as you might suspect, a book about Talk Triggers contains Talk Triggers. Um, it would be weird if it doesn't. So the book itself is uh, is hot pink and has alpacas on the cover. So if you <laughs> see a business book with alpacas, it's probably this book. Uh, and, and also, the book has a guarantee on the back of the book. It says, if you bought this book and didn't like it, go to talktriggers.com and send the authors a note. They will buy you any other book of your liking. And we will. So if somebody buys this book and is like, yeah, it's just not for me, uh, if you want a first edition bible uh, we'll we'll figure out how to make that happen. Let's hope that's not the case, but we'll do it. Um so literally there is no risk whatsoever to you purchasing this book cuz you don't like it, we will make it right. This is also why
2: I've been spending my weekends going to flea markets buying all of the books. Daniel's
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. assembling in Amazon uh in his garage, yeah, just in case. In first editions <laughs> Yeah,
1: just saying. It's on personal Amazon. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone do that before. And I also liked... No
3: one's been crazy enough to do it. That's why, Jeff. Um, that's the problem. When, you're, when you write a book about word of mouth, you kind of box yourself in a corner a little bit, don't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: I liked the uh, the cards, the tear out cards you included oh, yeah. in the back
3: as yeah. well. Yeah, we, we have referral cards in the book itself so that you can tear out. And in, in, uh, I mean, the book's about word of mouth and referrals. So you can actually tear them out and give them to people and say, hey, you know, you should you should read this book. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody do that either.
1: Well, you mention a lot of books uh, as a part of your research in talk triggers. I'd be curious to, to walk away with at least one book recommendation from each of you, maybe a book over the last uh, several months or years that has had an impact on you and, and maybe share if you're willing how or why it had the impact that it has. I'll, I'll start with you, Jay, and then and Daniel, if you have one, that'd be great.
3: Uh, there's so many not only on this subject but but others yeah. I'll tell you the one that that probably has the greatest impact on this book and Daniel will say the exact same thing is a book called different by young me moon yeah. who is the yep. head of the Harvard Business School a fantastic fantastic book and a lot of her principles uh, we we share and I, and I should say that just categorically Jeff that Daniel and I didn't invent word of mouth. We we didn't determine that word of mouth was important. There are a panoply of great books about word of mouth out there. We've interviewed the authors of most of them for talk triggers. Our contribution to this field is not reiterating the fact that word of mouth is important. Our contribution is to give people a system mm-hmm. to say, oh, it is important. And here's a process for how to do word of mouth on purpose, where I think a lot of other word of mouth books historically have been lacking is they say it's important and here's why and everybody kind of nods and closes the book, <laughs> now you can say, oh, it is important and here's exactly what I should do next. That's kind of what we're trying to bring to the table. But Me's book is is terrific because it really talks about one of our core theses, which is that same is lame, mm-hmm. that in business we're, we've convinced ourselves that follow the leader is the right avenue and, and it's not the wrong avenue, but it sure ain't
1: talkable. <laughs> How about you, Daniel? Any any books you would add to that?
3: Well, I would definitely
2: reiterate that. That's a, it's a beautifully written book, probably one of the most beautifully written business books I've read So definitely worth checking out. The other one, it's a book that was out of print for a long time. It's probably actually the first book about kind of advertising and marketing I ever read. It was written in 1930 Mm. called Obvious Atoms. Uh, obvious Adams it's now back in print fortunately you can get it on Amazon or wherever it's a tiny little almost pamphlet sized book about the advertising industry in the 1930s and this guy who kind of came into the advertising industry and and rose up by celebrating and, and doing the obvious thing and that's mm-hmm. to, to me that's always stuck with me because that's almost always a good answer to a to a question you know in statistics they call it uh, Oakham's razor mm-hmm. like the most obvious answer is probably the correct one and so it's a really great fundamental
1: reading for me i go back and reread it pretty, pretty regularly. Now that the book is being released, I'm curious to know, guys, beyond promoting of the book, which I'm assuming you'll continue to do for the, for the next few weeks at least.
3: Nope, this is it. Last show. <laughs> Thanks very much.
1: We're all done. <laughs> no more. No more. Yeah, after you've been on the show, you saw all the books you need. That's uh, it. Uh, what's, what's ahead for you guys? What are you working on next uh, that you're excited about and, and willing to, to share?
2: Jay and I were just talking about this this morning. Like, mm. how do, how are we going to package up all of the talk triggers ideas that we're we're seeing now in the in the wild? Mm. None of, none of which are in the book. So is that another book? Is that a uh, some other kind of situation? So that's really fun because there's so many good ideas out there. There's so many good case histories for us to learn from. So that may be a, a thing. Both of us are doing a lots of speaking, and and uh, that's fun too because we're doing all kinds of different you know industries and and associations.
3: Yeah, we may end up doing some sort of a, a podcast or a video show about. About new talk trigger ideas that people find us and feed us. You know, examples like like Doctor Snip, which isn't in the book, but is is great. There's another mm-hmm. one that we talk about called the Sip and Dip Lounge, which is in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, and Great Falls is hard to get to, even by Montana standards, which is definitely uh, saying something. <laughs> and and despite that, it was named one of the ten bars in America that you should fly to mm. by GQ magazine. Right, so a bar in Great Falls, Montana. GQ magazine says you should get on a plane and go to this bar. And it's because of their remarkable talk trigger. Every night between 9 p.m. and midnight, they pull back a curtain behind the bar to show a giant aquarium, which is the entire length of the bar. Mm. And in that aquarium, Jeff, are live human mermaids. (laughs) So I defy you to to belly up to the bar in Great Falls of the Sip and Dip and and have a Bud Light or whatever and not tell somebody that story like it's oh almost physiologically impossible right It's a it's a talk trigger at like the molecular level yeah. uh, so that's another one that we didn't know about when we wrote the book but definitely would have made the book had we known about it ahead of time and so there's all these stories so we're gonna come up with some sort of uh, some sort of way to package those together and give it get them out to people uh, on an ongoing basis because it's just so it's just so darn fun
2: I happened to see a review of the Sip and Dip when we I was researching it myself uh, after jay told me about it one funny thing about review so the the aquarium the mermaids are inside is also the pool at the hotel
3: yes the hotel uh, pool.
2: It, so one night there was happened to be a a large man who had ignored the don't go in here at this hour it's for mermaids only <laughs> so it was mermaids plus really really fat guy in a speedo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which kind of
3: ruined the effect <laughs> well, that must be bill from uh, room 11
1: <laughs> yeah it's not not quite as magical well, I see a uh, uh, some sort of talk trigger database in your future that requires an email no, address to access. Oh, you yeah, have okay.
3: Yeah. so Okay, for, for the two of us, we do. Yeah, we, we have a we have a shared Google Doc where we where we add all the new ones uh, for presentations and stuff. Yeah, so maybe, maybe maybe the easiest way to do it is not a podcast. Just hand out the password. <laughs> there you <laughs> we're go. Just,
1: there we're you done. go. Well, the book, again, is called Talk Triggers, The Complete Guide to Creating Customers with Word of Mouth. Jay Bear and Daniel Lemon have been our guests. Guys, treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
3: It was a blast. I'll be back. Well, jury's still yeah. out on China, but I'll come back.
1: <laughs> for links to the resources and recommended books Jay, Daniel, and I chatted about today, go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 235 for episode 235. Wanted to let you know that this past weekend, the 13th annual podcast awards were held and Read to Lead did not win Best Business Podcast. But thank you for helping us to get nominated. It is a treat just to receive a nomination when only 10 shows do. And there are hundreds of thousands of business focused podcasts out there. So indeed, thank you very, very much. Please do consider that free 30-day trial from our sponsor, FreshBooks, freshbooks.com slash read to lead to find out more about that. And for any feedback or questions about the show, you can email me directly, jeff at read to lead Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead.